today on the Bill Kelly Show on 900 CHML. We want to talk about some of the news that's going on with COVID-19 and the third wave and the variants and the vaccine program and some of the vaccines. All questions that are in the news today, all questions that we're going to address and try to get some answers for you in the next little while. So let's get right into it. And uh, to that end, we are pleased to welcome to the program Dr. Jason Perfetto. Dr. Perfetto, of course, is a family physician, chair of the Clinical Skills and Assistant Clinical Professor at McMaster University's undergraduate medical program. Doctor, thank you so much for the time. Great to have you back on the show today. Thank you very much, Bill, and it's a true pleasure to be on here. Thank you. Let me ask you something about your role and, and the role of family physicians. And I have had, as you know, Doctor, a plethora of epidemiologists and disease specialists, and, and, and it's fabulous to get their input on the, in, in these very troubling times. But for 99.9% of us, Doctor, our portal into the healthcare system is our family physician and the, the relationship that we have is with the family physician. How important is it for family physicians to weigh in on this? That's a great question, and, and honestly, my I admire and respect with a, a great degree all of the people working in the hospital and the periphery as well helping with this. Uh, family doctors play a significant role right now in COVID-19, the vaccine rollout, but more, more than just that, it's also in the dissemination of all the information that has to get out in a very balanced and appropriate way. And, you know, to be honest, I think that part has been a little bit troubling in the last while. Well, simply because you can get so many different sources of information. I mean, you, you know, we could hear something on, on this program, something else on another program. Uh, somebody else posts something on Twitter, and you're thinking, hey, where do I go on this? And that's, that's, that's why I, I wanted to ask you about this relationship between family doctors and, 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 and their patients, because that, you develop a relationship over time. I mean, they know you better than anybody else does, uh, and you have a, a, a degree of faith, probably a large degree of faith, in, in their expertise and in, in their direction when it comes to their own medical care absolutely and the thing is we we are and you've heard this like family doctors are fielding many many calls from their patients asking not only what they should get where they should get it but asking us honestly for our opinion if we trust it if we recommend it and of course we're, we're going to promote vaccination knowing that the data shows it's very safe and we are trying to promote it in as much in as a an organized methodical way so it can be rolled out in the province effectively I'm not, I'm not sure we're there yet, but I think the efforts have been valiant and we're moving forward, but the, the trust between patients and family doctor offices is, is a significant, significant point to consider. Well, family docs are being brought into the mix now when it comes to the uh, to the vaccine itself, which I, I think should have been a natural step and maybe one of the things they should have done in the first place. Yeah, we've been, we've been fielding those questions, honest to God, for the, the last year or thereabouts, and the truth is that we do vaccinations in a variety of ways, a variety of programs. The flu vaccine, the influenza vaccine that we deliver every year. We have clinics, half-day clinics, where we give literally several hundred. It's a big operation. It's very, very organized. Doctors all over the province are doing it. I think it would have been very, very practical in certain ways to do it through family doctors early on. I got my vaccine at a public health clinic. It went well. There was a lot of lines and a lot of space. But uh, for a lot of people, vulnerable people, elderly people, people with language challenges and, you know, uh, specific geographies, it would be very beneficial to have this through the, the family doctor's office for sure. How many times, and give me a ballpark idea, because I'm sure it's the same for every family physician too. How many people have actually said, doctor, should I get this thing or not? Should I get the vaccine or not? So, okay, our office, field dozens of calls per day and that's without exaggeration so we're probably like 
the 20, 30, 40, 50 mark in terms of phone calls per day. Albeit in my office, there's three doctors in total that, that we work with. Um, now, uh, personally, I, get, I receive a lot of text messages. I receive mm-hmm. a lot of Facebook messages. I, I think I'm old enough to still be on Facebook as opposed to these other social media <laughs> outlets. And, and uh, a, a lot of just personal phone calls and family and friends asking. It is a lot. There's a lot of questions. Happy to answer, but the, the, sometimes the trouble is you really don't know the, the best specific answer to provide. I, which leads us to the, the post that, that you put up, uh, I guess it was about a week or so ago now, uh, which had got an awful lot of feedback, of course, uh, when you posted this the other day. Uh, and you talk essentially about your thoughts about basically everything that's gone on in the last year. I mean, you talk about uh, things like mental health, the care, care of the elderly, uh, social determinants of health, all these, ele- and, and cancer research, by the way, and cancer treatment, which is so important about this too. Uh, and and your, your candid views on this, I thought, were very refreshing. Uh, the responses, I thought, were interesting as well. Well, uh, as you saw, some of the people kind of said, aha, see, you've finally seen the light. And you, no, you, you're not condemning anything that's gone on here. You're observing, aren't you? That's right. And, you know, I, I, was very, I chose my words very specifically. Um, I have these discussions with my siblings, my parents, my friends quite a bit. I did not put anything there that I thought was erroneous or misleading. And to be very clear, coronavirus or COVID-19 is a legitimate issue. It has affected the province. It is a pandemic, and the vaccines have been shown to be safe and effective. That being said, I think it's paramount, and this, to be honest, puzzled me. It's paramount that we should be more balanced in our views. COVID-19 is a problem. It is not the only problem. And I have seen certain uh, medical outlets actually uh, deny that mental health and suicidality has actually increased. That disappoints me. I I am terribly, terribly saddened by what happens to many of our elderly patients, especially in long-term care homes that have not been able to leave their room. And I'm talking small bachelor rooms for, for months and months and months to the point that they've deconditioned, they can't walk, the cognitive, uh, the cognitive function has declined quite dramatically. And Bill, honestly, I mean, it breaks my heart when we have a new baby in the office born, knowing that most of the adults this baby will see, what's well, most, it's only few adults, and most of them have masks on child childhood development we need to see faces we need to see smiles we need to see facial expressions and feedback the masks are very important granted and i'm not debating that but what we lose as a result to be honest it saddens me and it troubles me to a certain degree with that in mind then uh, you've heard the the comments from others and and others in your profession as well Uh, have we overreacted it's a, it's a great question. And, you know, I, I think in fairness, you have to look at hindsight with 2020 vision and appreciate what you're looking at. But, you know, have we overreacted? I don't know. I think overall, in my practice, uh, what's happened as a result of the collateral damage from lockdowns has been much, much worse than what's happened from COVID-19 in my practice directly. I think, though, and I'm balanced, I, I know that if you speak to somebody in the ICU, like some of my ICU colleagues, they will not tell the same story. They have their own biased view as I have my own biased view. So I think we have to be balanced. Now I think the tricky question, Bill, is what are we going to do looking forward? Is, is our response to any spike in coronavirus a lockdown? And if it is, how do we consider all of the collateral damage that this has? And to what degree and how long down the road? Childhood development, for example, is very, very important. The amount of mental health that we're seeing is very, very important. 
Um, and, and I, and I want to say this because I said this in my post and I'll say it again now. I think it's very disingenuous for anyone to be having a conversation about lockdowns, promoting them when they have a six figure salary and they're very secure compared to those that the social, the true social determinants of health are very tenuous. There's security, food security, financial security, employment. And, and when, when we, when I see that, I, I get discouraged. I want to go forward with a more balanced approach to mitigate these problems as much as possible. Well, we've certainly heard that on our program over the last little while, too. And, and my heart goes out to those people as well. I mean, uh, it's, it, as a matter of fact, those people you're talking about that, that are making substantial amounts of money that we've seen statistically that actually they've had a pretty good year, uh, notwithstanding the fact that there have been lockdowns and everything else. But I feel f- bad for the person that is a server in, in one of the restaurants that's been shut down and, you know, hasn't had work for the longest time. Uh, to, to that end, I, and again, I, I just wanted to extract a couple of things here and get your read on these uh the government responded rather quickly of course the federal and to a certain extent the provincial government uh with financial aid from the economic standpoint but did we did we pass over uh as as you pointed out in in your your post uh, the 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 mental and physical uh, aspects of this the 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 trials and tribulations that we've gone through Uh, somebody had to know that look if there's going to be a lockdown over a period of time uh there are going to be mental health issues there's going to be substance abuse issues but we seem to have overlooked that and now we're trying to play catch up correct one of the things i've learned is that when someone gets a test done in, in medicine so say you do a colonoscopy and they're waiting for the results the waiting period and the level of uncertainty can often cause more psychological and mental damage than a negative result itself, right? And I don't want to be dismissive of, dismissive of negative results or things like cancer and such, but when you don't know what's going to happen, when there's a sense of uncertainty, especially as it pertains to finances, healthcare, access, social gatherings, I, I think it can cause a quite a bit of damage. So, you know, I, I think, especially considering all of the things that are going to be coming up in the next while, what's going to happen with Easter, what's going to happen with family gatherings, what's going to happen with your ability to see your parents, are we, and, and actually, let, let me say this, Bill, I, I think one of the most ironic things that happened is, is a friend was telling me they're driving on the Highway 400, they see a sign that says, lockdowns will save lives, and in the background there's a, an airplane taking off from the Pearson International Airport as another one is landing, right? So I think... I think that the messaging is mixed, and I think we really need to work hard to be balanced and going forward. With that in mind, because we're going to talk a little about this further into the program today, but I wanted to, obviously, because uh, of the stuff that you've posted and the conversations we've had in the past as well, Doctor, uh, there are a number of your colleagues uh, in varying degrees uh, that have simply said this is a hoax. Uh, it's it's nothing more than a severe flu. What are we getting all upset about? And And these are people that have gone through medical school, have you know learned about viruses, all the other, all the stuff that you and, and so many others have done. Uh, yet, wh- why are there so many differing opinions on this? Yeah, it's an interesting question. And to be clear, the so me personally, and and with you know whatever, like my level of education and my view on things, I don't think this is a hoax, and I really don't think it's a conspiracy. And those arguments, I find weak. I, I don't, I don't actually find those compelling. I think what's, what's happened is that we are, are dealing with truly unprecedented situations and reacting the best way that we can. But as one of my friends put uh, on Twitter, uh, Dr. Sean Watley, very, very smart uh, uh, medical political individual, 
He said, panicked doctors should not be running the government and panicked government officials should not be running health care. And I, I, I get it. And I think a lot of what's happened is our reaction, the nature of the reaction has led to a sequence of things happening. I mean, it, I think to a large degree, many, many things when you when you uh, instill a lockdown are unpredictable. You look at the housing market and how booming all of these prices are. And then you look at the, the, the restaurant business and how tenuous and uncertain it can go. Right. So I think. It's probably unfair and inaccurate to say that this is a hoax. But the reason why a lot of people are reacting in such a way, I think, is because they are in a disagreement based on their own personal biased views of what's happening. And I can understand that because in the last 12 months, I've only had maybe a dozen people in my practice with COVID-19, whereas I've seen a tremendous amount of damage from lockdowns. But if you ask someone that works in the ICU, they've seen some of the worst cases of COVID-19 and people dying, which, I'm, which, is, which is equally sad and very tragic. So having, having voices from all realms and ensuring that everyone is actually being heard, I think is important. And I'm not sure that's been done. And going forward, that's going to be pretty critical. Because you get into the realm of the chicken and egg argument here if that happens, don't you? I mean, if, if, if you haven't seen very many cases, and, and I've talked to other family physicians in similar situations, uh, is that because of all the precautions we've taken so it hasn't spread to the degree in this area? Uh, or is it just because it was no big deal? You know, and it's, it's, it's one of these either-or situations. Uh, you know, for instance, uh, we're just getting stats now uh, that, uh, for instance, you know, we're out of the flu season now. We had a very mild flu season. And they say, aha, well, somebody could from that extrapolate, well, see, the flu's no big deal. Well, it is a big deal, but we were wearing masks, we were social distancing, so the flu couldn't spread as much either. So uh, we're really sitting here saying, well, I got all this information, and I really don't know what to make of it. I think there's been a very interesting culture shift in the way we look at disease. I, In the last six months, I cannot tell you the last time I prescribed Biaxin, amoxicillin, or Leviquin for an ear infection or for sinusitis. So usually in the winter, fall and winter months, what happens is many, many people present, they're sick, they're worried that they need an antibiotic and they come seek help. Now, the culture has shifted. So if you have a cough and fever and you're sick, you don't want to go to the doctor. It's almost stigmatized to a certain degree, which I mean, as a result, there's a lot less inappropriate antibiotic prescribing. But in another sense, are people not seeking medical care for things that they should? Absolutely. So what happens with cancer screening? There's been delays. And you can speak to my colleagues. There, mm-hmm. we've, we've had significant delays with breast cancer screening, colon cancer screening that have had negative outcomes. What happens to mental health access? A lot of people don't want to come into the office. A lot of people don't want to have patients coming into the office. That face-to-face contact is a very important part of the delivery of mental health care. And now what's happening is, and this is very interesting, Bill, and you will note this, and I'm sure you'll agree with this too. If you have a cough and fever, There's a stigma now attached to you. Do you have COVID? Where did you go? And all of a sudden, you see a slight, subtle hint of judgment. Oh, this person must have gotten together with their friends. And there's the the province of Ontario put out that little commercial where people are at a table having, you know, and then there's this slippery slope sort of transition to where someone's in the ICU. Mm -hmm. I don't find that helpful, and I think that's scaring people unnecessarily. Well, go to a grocery store. I you know I was at Sobeys the other day, and I mean, if somebody coughs, and everybody looks at them like, "What are you doing in here?" 
or sneezes or something, which is going to happen from time to time, even through the mask. So yeah, the, the idea about stigma, I think, is bang on. Uh, doctor, we could talk about this all day, and I wish we could at some point, but uh, it's always great to have you on the program, always great to get your candid insights into this stuff. Uh, and again, uh, keep doing what you're doing. Uh, we need more voices like that, and we need the pragmatic points of view on this. And I know we'll talk again soon, but thanks so much for being with us today. Thank you so much, Bill. Have a great day. You too. Dr. Jason Perfetto, of course, from McCaskill University's undergraduate medical program. The Bill Kelly Show, weekdays from 9 to noon on 900 CHML.